With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to Desert Dogcast by for Howling's official Arizona Coyotes podcast with Rose Ford, Carl Pavlik. I am Rob Leonio. Here to talk a lot of Arizona Coyote stuff. We were off last week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. And so it's good to be back. How is everyone doing? How was your Thanksgiving? It's pretty good. Yeah. It was good for me. Uh Family actually ended up having our Thanksgiving the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Uh, so it was nice to just have four days off to kind of rest and relax. That's nice. Yeah, no, I um, I had my chance to go home back to California, see some family. We had a smaller Thanksgiving than most other years because a lot of people were now living out of state or whatever. Couldn't make it. Don't know reasons, but, you know. It was still good to be back home for a little bit, at least for me, getting a couple of days off of work because, man, that was uh, I had a a lot of uh, a lot of hours put in, put in that week before Thanksgiving, so it was nice. It's definitely a really busy time of year for sports in general. Yeah, because well, for us, you know, you know, with my with my other job at the uh, the radio station down in here in Tucson. You know, we call the most busy time of the se- of the year the uh, the football basketball crossover. So U of A football was ending, while U of A basketball was picking up, and so I had to you know take on extra shifts and do all that. So it was it was just so hectic. But you know what? I got that break and getting back to work, and I you know I feel much better now. But now let's now let's get started with uh, the Coyotes. Though they've been impressive. They're now first in the Pacific Division, guys. What do you guys think about that? It is the first time they've been first in the Pacific Division since the uh, infamous 2011-2012 Western Conference Final season. Yeah. uh, I'm happy. Yeah, it's definitely crazy to think about. I remember when the season started, I didn't think we were going to be leading the division at any point, except for if maybe we won the first two games and like just hadn't panned out yet. But it is a really good sign of things to come. Um, I don't think the team is playing their best hockey right now. And the fact that they're leading the division says a lot about what they could be doing, um, especially if they can, you know, get into another gear as we get closer to the playoffs. Yeah, no, Arizona has just, in general, they've probably been one of the more ex- uh, exciting teams in this Pacific Division over just over this year. I mean, Edmonton's obviously up there too, but man, Arizona, like they're, they're, they're doing something right. And I, and I love, and I just love that they're, that, that they're up there. Cause you know, it's, it's a good for, good to see a different face up in the top of the Pacific Division. Cause usually, you know, the same suspects, it's usually, you know, at least the last, you know, this decade, it was the three California teams. And, and then, you know, Vegas came in. They kind of, you know, disrupted it a little bit. Um, Calgary last year. But, you know, Arizona, again, like like, like you like you said, it, they're not, not up here in first since, you know, be, almost the beginning of the decade, 2011-2012 season. You know, it's been a long time coming, but, hey, they're doing well. I would say like the fact that it's the Coyotes, the Oilers, the Golden Knights, and the Canucks as the top four teams of the division, I don't think anyone would have predicted that at this point in the season. Um, like Golden Knights, I think most people picked as the winner. People would have thought like the Flames would have been up there. 
no one saw the Canucks coming. I don't think anyone really saw the Oilers taking off like they did. And I mean, I hate to admit it, I saw the Coyotes as a bubble team. Uh, so yeah, just hoping they can keep things up. Yeah, I thought they would be fighting Edmonton for a wild card spot, not for first in the division. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind, yeah, we're about a third of the way through the season, but, you know, I think things, but, but, can, change. things can change. But by the way Arizona's been playing, I don't, like, they've been doing a lot of things right. They have been. Uh, I think they've also been getting extremely good goaltending. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure that Darcy Kemper is going to finish with a 0.935 save percentage. That seems a bit unsustainable. Question is, do you think he's, uh, by end of the season, he'll be worthy of the Vesna? I still think that. I think it may just drop to, like, maybe, like, a 9-2. Okay. You know, I- yeah, his save percentage might come down to a 9-2, but... They've also been playing pretty good defense most of the time. Not all of the time, but most of the time. You yeah. know, something I, I love, I'm like, you know, I don't put a lot of stock into the, um, what do you call it, the uh, goal differential for, because I know that's even strength goal differential. There's a lot of different things you got you, you got to take into account. But, you know, I look at the Pacific Division, you know, Arizona plus 15, Vancouver plus 11, um, Vegas is plus 5, Edmonton is plus 4, and then the rest are all minuses, like, and by quite a lot, too. Um, I, so it looks like, you know, Arizona's finding ways to uh, to score as well as, you know, keep that defense intact. And I would say that key to the Coyotes' success so far has definitely been their ability to play on the road. Um, they're 10-3-3 and on the road, 7-6-1 and at home. 7-6-1, and it's it's respectable, but 10-3-3, and that is crazy. Uh, and I think if they can find a way to replicate that kind of play at home, that would be like the next step that they need to take. Because they do seem to perform much better on the road. I like that you pointed that out. Because uh, they keep that up on the road, then you know they could actually like maybe even play a little better on the road as well. Not to say that not, but they can actually you know maybe fight for that record of the most road wins in the season. Obviously, again, only third way the season, so I'm not going to say hey, it's going to happen. But you know, if they're on pace to do it, they're on pace to do it. Uh, I think they'd have to compete with Washington. Uh, they're the number one road team, 13-2-1, which is... Washington's ridiculous, though. Like, they're... Yeah. They've only, lost, they've only lost nine total games. Like, <laughs> are, are Washington... Are they this year's uh, Tampa Bay Lightning? Are they going to get swept in the first round? I mean, it depends who they play in the... Uh, in, in that Eastern Conference side of the playoffs, like there's, I don't know. See, if it if it were to start now, it looks like they'd probably play. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins, which that is correct. Yeah, yeah. I think psychologically that may kind of break them. I'm trying to see. Hopefully not. <laughs> I wouldn't mind uh, the top team getting swept in the first round again. That'll just kind of break all of the numbers. Add more, add more excitement to the parity of this league. <laughs> Plus, we get to have another round of everyone getting to redo their playoff brackets, and then oh. some people complaining about it. Second chance brackets, <laughs> uh, aren't they the best? But uh, what what else has impressed you guys through these, you know, this third away the season for the, for uh, for Arizona? Well, one thing that has impressed me is that they've been able to score so much without getting production from their top players, Keller, Kessel, and OEL. 
Yeah, definitely. I I was really surprised every time I look at the goal numbers and kind of the points and seeing like where Kessel is at. He is still contributing to the offense, but the team's not relying on him to score, which I mean, I would love it if he was scoring more. And it seems like he's starting to heat up a little bit. He had two goals tonight or last night when you're listening to this. Uh, it's currently fourth in the team in points, but it, it's great that we're getting the kind of balanced offense. Right. Um, I would also say, like, I'm really glad that Schmaltz is having the season that he's having right now because it was definitely kind of – I think a lot of people were concerned about the contract they had signed, especially after being injured. And I personally thought it was a great deal um, – because it seemed like he had a, a pretty proven track record. But, yeah, he's he's proving to be a playmaker, and he is proving to be what this team needs. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking through some things right here, and uh, I almost to- almost totally forgot. But um, since we're talking, kind of talking about, you know, how the Coyotes have been playing, uh, I got an email earlier this week, a question about the Coyotes, uh, and I thought it'd be worth you know, addressing this question on the podcast and see what you guys think about this. Um, so this guy, his name is Chad. He asks, in the small sample size so far this season, what would you say are the Arizona Coyotes' biggest strength and weaknesses on this team? Rose, do you want to go first? Well, I think our biggest uh, strength is the defense and the goaltending. And our biggest weakness is the offense. I would say definitely defense and goaltending is the biggest strength. Special teams, I think, is kind of the biggest weakness. The Ooh. penalty kill isn't where I want it to be. The power play is better than last season, but yeah. Isn't that interesting how, you know, you can tell how a different in one season can really make the difference in special teams? Obviously, they, you know, they had that their run of being crazy on the penalty kill last year and this year you know not doing so hot but you know I, I it's interesting to see how how different stuff like that goes yeah and i think a big part of the reason the penalty kill hasn't been so hot lately is because Yarmolson is still out with his injury right right yeah that definitely seems like the case um i do think that i think maybe brad richardson has slowed down a little bit and he was key to that power or to that penalty kill last season. Um, well, the same with Grabner. And I don't know if, if some of his um, missed shots now are due to his vision issues. It could be. Um, I'm, I mean, the article earlier this week was talking about Carl Soderberg being blind in one eye. And I imagine like that took some time to like learn to play like that. I, yeah. Wonder if maybe like towards the end of the season we start to see some more from Grabner, where he kind of gets used to it. He kind of like learns how to compensate for that. Because um, yeah, it's definitely. I can't imagine playing with an eye injury. Like even years later, like I'd be like, no, nah, it's still not the same. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, your entire life. Because eye injuries are tough. Because the eye doesn't recover as fast as a lot of other injuries. Like, because I mean, it's. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, it's that's that's a brutal injury to have. I saw someone, you know, pop a blood vessel in their eye, and that was that was there for like you know five years, and it's like Jesus. Yeah, I had um, eye surgery to correct my vision, and I will say that having my eyes cut open was definitely one of the least fun things I've ever had happen to me. I'm hoping I never have to do that. Uh, there's a great moment when I was uh, getting prepped for it. They laser two holes in your eyes to prevent uh, like a, too much pressure. And they're like, don't worry, this won't hurt too much. It'll be just like a rubber band slapping your eye. And I was like, wait, what? That sounds really painful. And it was. Wow. Not, God. <coughs> Tangent. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, anything else you guys want to add? I think we need to talk about Connor Garland um, just because I, I 11 goals. 
yeah, I can't get over that he's the leading goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, that is insane. Connor Garland's been, yeah, he's he's been great. Um, and I will keep saying this every time we have anybody mentions Connor Garland, you know, on this podcast, you know, to me in person or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I got a chance to see him in Tucson. I'm like, yes, this guy is going to be good. And I didn't know he was going to be doing this this fast. But, man, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by him. I've always been. Uh, yeah, and uh, it wasn't that long ago that we found out that um, it was, in fact, Connor Garland who was John Shika's very first draft pick. Very true. Uh, great story involving just the immediate impact that Chaka had on the draft and on the I team. Think on the team in general, too. Uh, pretty much, I think anytime I talk to people now, because um, this recently came up in the uh, Philadelphia Flyers podcast I did. Um, like the first question is always about Schmaltz, just because he's leading the team in points. Second question is always about Garland and how, how he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and just like, I don't think anyone saw this coming except for a small amount of people. Right. And I know like he was a leading scorer in the, in the Q. MJHL, whatever the, the QMJHL. Yeah, that's it. That's the one in the Quebec League. So um, yeah, I mean, you can like, just say the Q. He's got the ability to score. We knew that, but being able to do it in the AHL and the NHL is a, is a totally different beast. I think the the, the thing that uh, I had concerns with when I watched him in Tucson for the the first year. Um, so that was the second year for Tucson. Um, and I was like, Oh, I like Connor Glenn. Look, this guy can score, but he's got to work on that skating, you know? And, uh, but man, he's again, he's, he has improved a lot ever since, you know, that first year I saw him. He's put in the work. Yeah. I, I doubt he was scoring goals the same way he is in the NHL in the queue. Cause like Probably. when you're in juniors, you, you can kind of like cheat a little bit more. You're you have like a, a higher skill than a lot of other people, and in the NHL, he's just hard work doing it all. Um, which it's great that he's able to like keep reinventing his game. Uh, I kind of see him as a player that lasts a long time because if he gets older, he's gonna like find a new way to play um, that fits. That's what you, that, I mean. That's what you kind of hope. You kind of hope a guy. You know, as they get older, they they adapt to do different to different play styles. That they that they age gracefully. But you know, every you know everything positive about aging because obviously it's not easy. Some people don't don't age well, and they end up becoming you know almost irrelevant within five years after they turn thirty. But you know, if you know Connor Garland keeps it up, he kind of uh, finds his you know again finds those right, right ways to adapt and keep things. He's going to be good for a long time. It is a long time ago when he it feels like a long time ago when he first came into the AHL and only scored five goals and nine assists in 55 games. Right. Wow. That does feel like a long time ago. That was a rough transition. And I think that's kind of just goes to show like everyone, like it takes time. Like a lot of people get frustrated when, Prospects aren't able to like generate or compete right away. It it takes time. Each person has their own kind of path that they take. Some take a little bit longer, but like that doesn't mean anything. If you take a little bit, a couple of extra years, but you come in and do what Connor Garland does, that's absolutely fine. Teams are willing to wait those extra years to get the team leading goal scorer. Absolutely. Um, let's not before we move on. It should be mentioned that we found out about that. Um, Jean Shika actually drafted Connor Garland from Craig, one of Craig Morgan's athletic articles. Yeah, that's good. Proper credit, proper attribution. Um, this is something I probably would want to talk about on Inside the Glass, but um, 
you know, I got I had someone ask me about this uh, in person the other day, and there's like, hey, what do you guys think about the Coyotes picking up Taylor Hall? And I didn't really have much of responses. I'm like, I don't know if there's, I don't know, who would put it like, I don't know if Arizona wants to pay the price for that. What I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, so Elliot Friedman had reported in his most recent 31 Thoughts blog that several teams believe Arizona is um, going pursuing the Taylor Harrell trade. Um, the problem with that is we don't know what the return would be. Uh, New Jersey is looking for a first-round pick or a top prospect or somebody who can help them out right away on defense. Um and until we know what that return is going to be, we can't really judge a, a trade that hasn't happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There aren't a whole lot of people on the team I wouldn't give up to get Taylor Hall. <laughs> but that's only if he's not going to be a rental. He's got to resign. And as everyone keeps pointing out, his particular agent, who is the same agent as Mitch Marner, well, um, yeah, doesn't sign during the season. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're looking at a Taylor Hall trade, it, I, I think you have to frame it as a rental at this point because there's no guarantee that he's going to resign, which I think is part of the reason why his value, all things considered, is fairly low. Uh, you got to imagine any team looking to acquire him, they're going to have a pretty low first round pick. Um, you know, a pr- top prospect. Sure. Like that's, that's definitely something, but it's not the biggest thing. Like uh, a player of Hall's caliber, even for a cup run, I think is, is huge. I think it says something that we're even talking about acquiring a player like Hall for the Coyotes. Last season, I don't think we would have talked about this if if it was the same situation. Right. I don't see us acquiring rentals up until this year. Like, I, I don't know, maybe a rental player, get a deep run, kind of. Well, I suspect that even if Shaika is planning on acquiring him at a rental price, um, he probably thinks there's, he's got a good shot at re-signing him. If the team is doing well, we've got a really nice um, place to live in Arizona, and now we have an owner that can shell out the dough. Why wouldn't yeah. you want to sign here? I mean, I completely agree, especially, like, with, like you said, the team's playing much better. Like, I think we're going to get more people wanting to be a part of that. Um, I don't know. Um, I remember listening to people saying like, does Hall maybe want to return to the spotlight? Does he want to be like in a major market? Like he was in new in uh, Edmonton. Is he fine going a little bit more low key? Like there are some guys who want to play in front of the, like the massive crowds and have the history. The guys don't necessarily have that yet, but I mean, I, I think don't know that they ever will. We just don't have the media market for that. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're never going to be Edmonton uh, in a lot of ways. Toronto. I don't think anyone is going to ever be Toronto, except for maybe Montreal. Um, New York. But, uh, I mean, even then, like, because when you're a, a Maple Leaf in Toronto, you are the big fish. Do you really think anyone other than maybe Hendrik Lundqvist is the big fish in New York City? Mm, you have a point. Yeah, someone like a, a ranger could probably walk to New York City and there might be people who won't notice him. Someone walks through the street, streets of Toronto, like let's say John Tenris walks the street of Toronto, he's going to get noticed within two seconds. Like, yeah, and that's the other thing about Arizona that I think people misunderstand here is that it isn't so much that people don't pay attention to sports that um, our sports stars don't get recognized. It's that the culture in Arizona is very... um, Low-key. 
it's very low key. There isn't a huge celebrity culture thing here, like for say in LA or anything like that. Even if you see a famous person out on the street somehow in Arizona, you, just, um, you might be just like, oh, hey, that's that guy. That's cool. Yeah, you're not even going to – they're not going to get mobbed. And that's why a lot of celebrities like living here because they can have a life. I mean, even Charles Barkley, I don't think he would get mobbed. And he's, you know, one of the most well-known sports figures in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't think of anyone in Arizona who would, who would get mobbed. Uh, I would – get really excited if I saw Alice Cooper walking around. Uh, but yeah. that's, that's about it. I was listening but to would you go up show. to him and say, Hey, can I have your autograph? Yes. <laughs> uh, I have a large amount of Alice Cooper records. I would absolutely go, Hey, hey man, can I get a picture? And he'd be <laughs> like, Sure. Uh, my dad's met him a couple times. He's a really nice guy. I'm sure he would. You'd be cool with like one selfie. I mean, generally, I mean, again, if it, if if it's like just you and you and like they're not busy, like like if you don't doesn't look like they're in a rush or anything, and you just ask for a quick selfie or ask for a quick autograph, yeah, they're like, yeah, sure, you know. But I mean, I can see like you were saying, Rose. Maybe Paul wants that. Maybe. He's like tired of being like having the pressure of being a, a number one overall pick in a market like Edmonton, where it's just so much of the blame of the struggles, I think, was on his shoulders for the longest time. Maybe he just wants to be like, nah, I'm tired of doing that. I'd rather play for a good team in a area where I can get some privacy. And then, yeah. And especially if the Coyotes go out and acquire him, that sends a signal like, hey, we're serious about wanting you. Everyone wants to be wanted. Now, I will say this. I did think of the same thing about John Tavares during his free agency period. And I think a lot of people were talking about, you know, the, the, the three highest suitors, again, you know, Toronto, um, back in New York, or San Jose as one of the options. And people are like, you know, maybe he wants to go to San Jose so he doesn't have, you know, the media spotlight or just the spotlight on him 24-7. Maybe he wants to breathe. Obviously, we were wrong. Uh, I'm not saying we could be wrong for Taylor Hall, but you know, thing that that th- those those are the kind of things that we got to think about. And I think that's good that we're saying maybe Taylor Hall does want that. I think yeah. definitely the big thing with Tavares though is hometown. Yeah, like absolutely grew up a Leafs fan, and we're not talking about Hall going to the Flames. Apparently, born in Calgary, so. I don't know if that's necessarily going to have as much of an impact. Fair enough. Fair enough. And to be fair, I do believe Elliot said that the Flames were in on him on his 31 Thoughts podcast. So. There we go. Well. Yeah. No, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> hey, let's take, a, let's take a quick break so we can hear from uh, a couple of our sponsors and then. We'll come back and talk some Tucson Roadrunners, among some other things. You're listening to Desert Dogcast. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Desert Dogcast, Five for Howling's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. It's time now to talk some Tucson Roadrunners. Tucson has been playing phenomenally this this so far this season, guys. They are seventeen five zero and zero, first place in the American Hockey League. They are hot. Uh, sorry to contradict you, Rob, but uh, I just pulled up the standings, and the Milwaukee Admirals are actually in first place in the league. I'd like you to uh, check point percentage because that is how we measure first place. Oh, I see. I stand corrected. There you go, um, because you know games in hand, everything like that. Yeah, but yep, that's where Tucson stands, first place in the American Hockey League, and uh, hey, you know. 
eight and two in the last uh, ten games. Again, hasn't like they haven't lost a game in in overtime or shootout for that matter. But only five losses so far this season. I don't know where this team is doing, but they're finding ways to win. Um, they keep finding ways to win. And what I like about this Tucson team is they have different guys contributing every single game. And I'll, I'll use you know these last couple games against Colorado as an example. The uh, the player of the game, the first star for Tuesday's game was Hudson Fashing, who scored two goals and um, kind of as a bounce back from earlier at the beginning of the season where he had nothing. He had like, I think, throughout seven, maybe plus games. I'm not sure what the number was, maybe 10 games even. He didn't have anything. These last few games, uh, yeah, he's been he's been on a roll, especially the two-goal game he had on Tuesday. And then uh, yesterday, um, on Wednesday, Braden Burke scores two goals to give Tucson the 2-1 to win. Again, sweeping Colorado in this in the midweek home games. Um, but man, he's these yeah, this Tucson team, man. It's there's something else. I again, this is my third team covering this Tucson team, and they they they're different this year. And you know, their uh, playoff run two years ago, they were really good. But I think this team might be better, guys. I mean, I think key to that is probably the fact that we're not taking some of their best players because we're being completely decimated by injuries. This is true. Yeah, I imagine that helps. Probably a lot. Um, another interesting fact is that the uh, Rapid City Rush is actually third place in the ECHL standings right now. Oh, there you go. Oh, there it is. So, so this is probably the best the top-to-down Arizona Coyotes organization has ever been, I, I would say. Like... I don't have that in front of me, but like in terms of I'd standings, have, I'd have to check maybe what they look like, you know, earlier this decade or whatever, what um, Springfield or whatever looked like beforehand or everything else. But uh, this, t- to me, this seems like the best. Like I, I again, because you know, again, watching Tucson, they, they, yeah, they're good. I mean, it's it's great that they're finding success. Um, you would know this better since you're following them more closely. Is there any player on there who seems like they could make the jump to the NHL or are they getting like solid contributions from AHL players? Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure if there's a guy who's, you know, ready to make that jump yet. You know, obviously I, I'd like to say that about, um, about Lane Peterson or Kyle Cabobianco. And, you know, they've been great, but I don't know if they're NHL ready yet. And I think that's the interesting thing is not very many of these guys are getting called up. I know Michael Chaput is up there, is up in Glendale right now at the Coyotes. Again, he's an extra, so he's not really, you know, actually. Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I again, I I think it's phenomenal. I think what's really cool is... um, Again, I you know goaltending Aiden Hill and Ivan Prosvatov have been uh, phenomenal. They have you know kept to the depth of the Arizona Coyotes goaltending, and um, now down again with them in Tucson. Again, it it just adds to that. Uh, a couple cool things to note on that is um, on or yesterday Wednesday the. Um, there was the matchup of Aiden Hill versus Hunter Miska, who now plays in Colorado. Um, that was an interesting dynamic, and, and you know, um, they I know Aiden Hill and Hunter Miska talked to each other beforehand the game before the game. You know, they joked around. There was a little bit of a fight between the Tucson and Colorado, like like a scrum. And while that was happening, they were just kind of like passing the puck back and forth to each other. They were having some fun, um, but. <laughs> It was in, it was that's pretty funny. It, uh. I like when when I see that, but it was nice to see Hunter Miska back in Tucson for a little bit. Um again, playing for the opposing team, but hey, you know Tucson gave him an ovation, you know. They announced him welcome back to Tucson Hunter Miska and a decent amount of people cheered him cheered for him and he got the third star and people still cheered for him. And you know, I think that's what I like about this uh this Tucson is people don't forget. 
they remember they know the contributions that they made to a team and they're like yeah i like that yeah i think that's something we're gonna see a lot more because when you're changing your ahl team every year two or three years like you're not going to necessarily have that same connection you may like if players like get traded but like with the team now owning their AHL franchise and being like, yep, it's going to stay here. I think we're going to get a lot more of those kind of like return player situations. Um, and it's, it's great. I love it when fans support people who used to play with the team. I think anyone who read five for howling over the, over the summer and saw like my connection posts that I would always do knows that I have like a deep appreciation for former coyotes. Um, and yeah, I love it. Uh, Kevin Kanaten was also there, right? Yes, he was. Um, and um, I will say that his his penalty in the second period is what ended up leading to Braden Burke's game-winning goal late in that <laughs> game, late there. So, thanks, Kevin. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Do Do they recognize him at all? He had two games in Tucson. Uh, I don't um, that not really, because because again, because I think the difference was because 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 Hunter Miska was there and. Because and Miska, of course, has played significantly more time. He was in Tucson for much, much longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, they they played really well against Colorado, and they're they're just finding ways to win. I'm trying to look at their schedule. I believe they play Iowa on Saturday. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, uh, since we talked about this maybe being uh, a better one, would you say that it's better than when you had Strom and Kraus on the team? Like, is it a more balanced team, or do you think there's, a, like, a, a more skilled, like, top-end player? You know, I think, yeah, this is this is definitely a more balanced team. This is a team, this is a Roadrunners team in which everyone contributes. I'm looking at some of the, some of the stats and um, actually bring it up by by points yeah i mean like you got 13 guys with at least 10 points through these 22 games like yeah about let's see about five with that at least 15 points they've been they've been doing well for themselves um and it's again it's pretty it's a pretty deep roster on this one um so i'm i'm excited for what they have to go, what they have coming here. Yeah, that'll be. It'd be really cool if the Coyotes and the Roadrunners get some deep playoff rounds going. I'm wondering, like, how much kind of, like, if they could capitalize on that, being like, "Hey, watch the Coyotes playoff game this day. Next day, go down to Tucson, watch the Roadrunners. Something cool like that. I think that'd be awesome as a fan. Wild. That would be fun. Uh, I will also say, even though um, not a very small sample size because only two games, but uh, we got a chance to see um, really star Yarvi the other day on these last these last two games. His Roadrunners debut off that trade that sent Eric uh, Comrie to Detroit. How do you look? Again, very small sample size, so I, could, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, to the full point how he played but um he did get an assist but again i i, I couldn't tell you much past that because i'm you know trying to pay attention to so much more i wish i saw him I, I wish i was able to pay attention to him a little bit more but um we'll be able to let you know later this month because i'll keep my eye on as uh, the season goes but we'll see yeah plus we got him for a guy that we weren't playing right <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely. It just cost us a bit of salary for for the couple weeks we had Comrie. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised we didn't see him play at least one game. I thought that maybe. Yeah, same. Well, again, because I, you know, I got a chance to see him in the uh, conditioning stint down in Tucson. in uh, Tucson, and I was like, you know, this guy's good. But like I don't, I just can't see him taking a start away from uh, from Kemper or from Ranta. I just can't see it. So 
obviously, you know, I think a couple of days after I made that made that remark, he ended up get, he gets end up getting traded. Yeah, it made sense. It's it's kind of a tough spot for him because he's probably good enough to take a backup role, but you know, too good to send down to an AHL team for a long stint. Hopefully, he gets some play in Detroit. Right. Well, the thing was, is they couldn't send him down to an AHL team to the yeah. They'd have to put him on waivers. Yeah, he would have been reclaimed by Winnipeg. Well, I mean, just like in general, like no team can really send him down. So he, right. no matter where he is, rocking a hard place. All right, now let's uh, let's go ahead and move on now. Talk about uh, what's coming up. Who has the schedule ready? Huh. So, uh. Tonight, or tonight when you are listening to this, we are going to be playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. After that, Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday. Next Tuesday, Calgary Flames. Mm. So the Penguins in their home arena, the Blackhawks in their home arena, and then traveling back for the Flames. Yeah. I will say this about... The Penguins, though. I'm going to go through the list of injured players. Uh, Hopefully I don't mess up any of these names too badly. Jack Johnson, Brian Rust, Patrick Hornquist, Brian DeMolin, Justin Schultz, Nick Bjugstad, sorry, and Sidney Crosby are all either questionable or out tonight so a the logical conclusion is this is somehow alex galchenyuk's fault (laughs) wherever he goes teams are just injured naturally of course it's his fault so basically the coyotes are going to be playing the wilkesbury penguins (laughs) yeah i mean they still have malkin which yeah Penguins with Malkin. Um, it's it's still the second night of a back to back against a good team that's in a in a hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, as we said earlier, their second wild card in the Eastern Conference. You know they want to get in, and you know they're going to come hard tonight. I'd expect so. I mean, say say what people will about Pittsburgh, but. They always find a find a way to compete, even with players injured. I mean, yeah, this time they've got a lot more, but you know, I, I don't think it's it's still regard like going to be an easy an easy game by any means. And it's going to be Phil Kessel's first game against the Penguins since he was traded. Oh, they got to have yeah. a a decent tribute for him. They better. I would think so. Uh, I mean, Philadelphia definitely seems like an organization that would do something like that. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh, was, you mean? Or Pittsburgh, sorry. Yeah, he was part of a couple Stanley Cup teams, so they got him. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hopeful that um, the two goals he got in the Philadelphia game will actually help you know get him going, and maybe he can continue that against his old team. Maybe you'll have that motivation a little bit. He's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit, have a little more fun here. Yeah. Let's get score predictions on on this one. I go, go ahead and start the score prediction. Um, I believe the Coyotes got this one. Um, I'm going to give them... Three to two. Regulation? Yes, regulation. Okay. Hmm. Second night of a back-to-back. They are injured. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arizona. I think three to two sounds about right. 
I'm going to be the pessimist of the group this time. I'm going to say 3-1 Pittsburgh. I think Arizona is going to be a bit tired, maybe underestimating the Penguins, and it's not going to turn out well. All right. That puts us to Sunday's game in Chicago. Speaking of another first, first time Schmaltz is going to be playing his old team. Yeah, because he was injured last year, right? Yeah. Are we? Um, um, uh, I'm trying to think about this one. I think this is actually the, the trap game, so I think it's going to be 2-1 Blackhawks. See, the thing about the Blackhawks is, you know, they have not been impressive in the slightest. And now that's your right. And Rose, you're right about um, this potentially being a trap game. I I don't know. Because, you know, I'm going to stick with my gut on this one. And I'll say I got to fall, fall in line with Rose on this one. Blackhawks are going to win this one. It's going to be like 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, so I'm going to disagree with the group again. Uh, the last kind of thing, the team that I can relate this one to is the Kings games. Because it's the Kings aren't good, but they're also a team that Arizona has history with, more so than some of the other not great teams that they've lost to. There's no Arizona Minnesota history. And the Chicago Arizona history isn't much in the grand scheme of things, but I think for Arizona it is. Like meeting them, getting the first playoff round win against them, I think there's something there. I, I don't feel like we would underestimate Chicago. I'm going to go 4-1 Arizona. Yeah, but the team that's playing right now isn't the team that played them in the playoffs. The only person left from that team is OEL. Sure. But I think <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's more than the – more than the I mean, players specifically. Half that team was on the Blackhawks. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I, I don't know. Uh, sports are sometimes about creating a narrative, and that's the one I've created. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, and like you said, there's a lot of ex-Blackhawks on the team. But that makes it even more like Christian or Vinny Hinnestrosa. He wants to have a big night against the team that traded him, especially since he's not having a great season. He wants to be like, no, I want to prove myself. Schmoltz definitely wants to have a big night. Um, Jordan Osterley. Osterley, yeah. Because he wasn't even like a key piece of that trade. He was a, th- a throwaway piece. Like, that's got to be one where you're like, no, man, you gave up on me way too soon. Look at your defense. Uh, Sports aren't about logic, though. (laughs) But, yeah, no, I I admit, you're right. But, no, like, only reason why I'm picking the Blackhawks in this one is because it's in Chicago. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about it on the next week's episode for the next time, but... And that brings us to Calgary at Arizona. The Flames. So I believe we are 1-0-1 against the Flames this season. The last game was uh, a fun one. That it was. A little uh, fisticuffs, kind of. (laughs) Or more suplex. Suplex. 
Yes. There was a goalie fight. Yep. <laughs> I just caught the suplex. Started by a goalie. Yeah. No, I, I just caught the suplex game. <laughs> that was awesome. I was there. That must have been fun. Carl, you get to go first this time. So the last two times we've played the Flames, we scored three goals. But I don't think that's going to happen this time. I, I think this one's going to be a a harder game. I think both teams are going to maybe have a little bit of bad blood. I don't think either are going to convert on the power play much. I'm thinking 2-1 Arizona for this. Okay. Okay. I think Arizona's got this one. Um, I know they're going to win. Got to figure out. I think they're just going to they're going to come back from that loss to Chicago and they're going to be like oh, you know what? This is kind of like an eye opener. We got to play better than we just did. And they're going to come out pretty fast in this game. Uh, and they're going to score a lot. I'm going to say 4-1 Coyotes. I think the schedule is going to catch up with them on this game because they're playing back-to-back Flyers-Penguins. Then they've got a day off, and then they've got the Chicago game. Then they've got another day off, which is really a travel day. And then the Calgary game back in Glendale. So I think they're going to be exhausted, just like they were in the Montreal game. So I'm going to say... 3-1 3-1 Flames. Okay. Those are our predictions for the upcoming three games. Should be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'd say two of those games are, are definitely winnable. Mm-hmm. It remains to be seen if the Coyotes can do it. But... It, it would be nice if they can increase their lead on the on the division leader title. That sounded weird. Right. Well, before we go to some final thoughts, uh, Carl, I almost forgot. You had a, uh, a concession item, didn't you? I did, yes. I, I, I bought the giant pretzel. Uh, this past game against the the Sharks, it was probably the best part of that game. Uh, <laughs> it was good. Uh, I will start with that. The giant pretzel is really good. The beer cheese that comes with it, it doesn't look like it's going to be enough, but it's it was fine. I have extra. It was a really good pretzel. That box is terrible. Um <laughs> You cannot be comfortably sitting in a seat with that. Uh, I, I guess if you were at like one of the high tops, it would have been fine. But, but no, like I tried it for a while and I instantly went to a, um, a fan store and got a bag for free, like one of the clear plastic ones. And I just tore up the pretzel. It's pre-cut, so it was really easy. And just threw it in the bag and was eating out of the bag. Uh, that's a pro trip for everyone. Um, I would also definitely recommend eating it with friends. It was me and my sister were the only ones having it. And I got to save it for the next day. But like, nice. it was also 20 bucks. So Jesus. Wow, a $20 pretzel. How yeah. was it the next day? Oh, it was good the next day. Like, okay, I, so I had that two days important. after. Yeah. Yeah. You just got had to microwave it a little bit and it was fine. Like I think of the two foods I I've eaten that and the chicken donut sandwich, I'd probably get the pretzel again, uh, more than the chicken donuts. Good to know. Nice. Cause, uh, I'll be making my way hopefully in about a month <laughs> up to there. I still want to know when you're going to do that barbecue Sunday. Monstrosity. <laughs> My um, speaking of my sister, she actually had the barbecue Sunday um, previously, and she doesn't even have a podcast she needs to eat things for, and she thought it was good. 
Uh, I think she said that there was two options, uh, a pork and a beef. I think she said she had the beef. I can't remember. Interesting. Very. But she's also a extremely picky eater. It's always great to see her on family holidays because she will separate out all of her foods and eat them individually. And she had a, a mashed potatoes and barbecue thing at a hockey arena. So that's just, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty funny. And if anyone was at the San Jose Sharks game and you saw a guy walking around in the lower level wearing an army jacket, carrying a giant pizza box full of pretzel, just know that was me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of which, Carl, on my uh, when I head up in about a month, I'm going to go claim that beer still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I owe you that beer. Just let me know where and when. Yeah, I'll be up for hopefully that game on the, I believe was it the fourteenth or something like that, January, next Sharks Coyotes game. Uh, let me see. Yep. Have... It was seven seventeenth. That's when it is. No, January fourteenth. It's a Tuesday. Oh yeah, yeah, fourteenth. Yeah, yeah, um, I will likely be up there that game because uh, that'll be Patty Marlowe's. 1700th and first game. Well, <laughs> Provided he stays, you know, healthy the next couple games. I mean, guy hasn't missed a game in like 10 years, but so. <laughs> True. But yeah, anyways, let's get, let's move on to some final thoughts. What do you guys get to say? We're first in the Pacific. Woo. <laughs> However long it lasts. <laughs> I think that there was definitely a downer moment uh, last week. The the one, one, and two is not wasn't great, especially against some of the teams we lost. But we're good right now. Yeah. And there's flaws in the team, but there's flaws in every team. And I think fans, especially, can be kind of like critical at this point. I don't want to say that we're going to finish first in the division, but for right now, I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my final thought, once again, will be to reiterate what I said earlier about Tucson is, guys, just watch, come down and watch this game. Uh, watch these guys play. They are doing just so well, and I'm like, they're, they're such a fun team. You know, they, they click well together. They're... They're winning games. Again, they only, only lost five games so far this season. Who knows what they'll be by the next home game. Um, I actually won't be at their next home games probably for the remainder of the calendar year because I will be back on holiday, back in California. So I won't be there. But you guys can. Again, it's you know I think they've got a pretty good schedule coming up there um, at home. Yeah, they got four home games Uh in the remainder of the calendar year, starting the starting December twentieth, you guys should go watch them again. They're really fun. Um, get the teddy bear toss one of the games. I believe that's the twenty first. Those so, are fun. Teddy bear toss is pretty fun. I never pr- really actually participate because I'm there for media, but it's fun to see. I like to see the teddy bear teddy bears go out there and you know they uh, you know all for a good cause. And if you're in Rapid City, South Dakota. Go to a rush game. Write us. Tell us how it is. Yeah. Support please. the entire organization, top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that will do it for us here on Desert Dogcast. Once again, I'm Rob Liano, joined by Carl and Rose. Thanks for joining us. Um, we will be back next week. Um, once again, be sure to subscribe if you have not yet already on your favorite podcasting platform. We are absolutely everywhere. And if you can't find us, let us know because we'll help you find it because we're, again, it's we're everywhere. Um, once again, if you have a question, be sure to, you can uh, leave a comment on the post that this goes up on. You can also tweet us at the at Desert Dogcast or at Five for Howling. You can tweet us there too. You can also tweet any of the hosts. Once again, I'm at Rob Leonio one I'm at Rose Colored Fact. I'm at Carl Pavlock FFH. 
And I believe you can also email us. I have access to the um, Roadrunners meet mail um, that I made a year ago. Um, you can email that at meatmailahl at gmail.com. And I will also be answering questions there too. So once again, thanks everybody for joining us on Desert Dogcast. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye everybody. Night.